about to enter another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land of imagination. Next stop, the Twilight Zone. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. It is the middle ground between light and shadow. Between science and superstition. And it lies between the pit of one's fears and the summit of one's knowledge. You are now traveling through a dimension of imagination. You just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. I remember growing up and watching the Twilight Zone. I don't quite remember exactly uh, when... I started watching it, but I knew it was at an early, early age. I knew it was before I started going to school, right? And, you know, one of the first episodes I remember was I Am the Beholder and Time Enough at Last. Those, you know, those classic uh, episodes from the Twilight Zone. And, you know, sometimes when I would be in school, um, I would, you know, sometimes stay home and, you know, maybe I would sleep all day and then I would get up you know, a little bit later at night and go out and sit in front of that huge television uh, set uh, that sat on the floor and uh, watch episodes, random episodes of the uh, Twilight episode as I sat in my pajamas and, you know, maybe I would grab a, a bowl of cereal and sit there and just glare at the TV and, you know, just watch the, the, uh, the, light from the TV dance around the walls and just be enthralled at what I was seeing, whether it was sci-fi or whatever the, whatever the topic was for the week on the, uh, on the Twilight Zone. And I just remember being pulled into that world and everything was just so profound. And I didn't realize that this television show would stick with me for so long and would have really such an uh, impact on me as an adult because now I view the television show completely different than I did as a child which is a good thing because now I can experience and uh, experience the show in a different way completely now as I did as a child and I can enjoy it far more than I ever did then. The setting is the Old West. Al Denton, once a feared gunslinger, now the town drunk, is forced to draw against a sadistic bully. But on that same day, Henry J. Fate rides into town. Somehow, Fate's glance gives Denton's hand a life of its own, and Denton gets off two miraculous shots, disarming his tormentor and regaining the respect of the town. His dignity renewed, he swears off liquor, but all too soon, he finds himself in the same trap that drove him to the bottle in the first place. His newly won reputation causes a young hotshot to challenge him to a duel. But Ditton soon discovers, however, that his old ability is completely gone. And in desperation, he buys a potion from fate guaranteed to give him 10 seconds of deadly accuracy. This moment has, uh, as his opponent enters the saloon didn't downs the potion and sees the other man doing exactly the same thing. The two shoot the guns out of each other's hands. 
each sustaining an injury that will never allow them to shoot again. Ditton, free of ever having to face down another man, tells his adversary that they're both been completely blessed. Mr. Denton on Doomsday originally aired October 16th of 1959. And it was written by Rod Serling, produced by Buck Houghton, directed by Alan Reisner. Can't you break that up? Nobody knows. I don't like it any more than you do. The How misery they give that guy out there. How dry I am. Nobody cares. How dry I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
portrait of a town drunk named Al Denton. This is a man who's begun his dying early. A long, agonizing route through a maze of bottles. Al Denton, who would probably give an arm or a leg or a part of his soul to have another chance. To be able to rise up and shake the dirt from his body and the bad dreams that infest his consciousness. In the parlance of the times, this is a peddler. A rather fanciful looking little man in a black frock coat. And this is the third principal character of our story. Its function, perhaps to give Mr. Al Denton his second chance. How are you doing, Al? How do, Miss Smith? You packing a gun now? Well, this isn't mine. I found it right over there. Somebody must have dropped it. You were pretty good with a gun in your day, weren't you? That was a long time ago, Miss Smith. Well, you know something? This is the first time I've held a gun since... I can't remember how long it's been. Too much of that, isn't it? Yep. Why, Al? Why do you have to drink so much? I really don't know. I just got the habit one day and kept to it. I'll tell you that. Wait a minute, boys. Here we go again, fellas. Let's hear our little songbird. Hey, Denton. Three choruses of how dry I am. Let's hear it. Al, don't do it. Here, give me a drink, Miss Smith. The devil with him. I can give you one, too, and you won't have to do that for it. How dry I am, how dry I am, nobody knows how dry I am. All right, come on, Rummy, go on and get your drink. You've been a good boy. 
Wait a minute, Denton. Hey, Gunner! Hey! Where'd you get the artillery? I found it. Found it right over there on the street. Is that a fact? Hey! But it's a long time since you used one of them, isn't it, Rummy? Yeah. A long time. Maybe you could use it now. Yeah. Maybe you could even outdraw me. No, I wouldn't know how to use it anymore. Well, let's see you try. Come on, you and me will draw. All right, all right, Dan, cut it out. Go it's on. not funny anymore. Get away, Liz. The gun on me, we're going to have a showdown here. Come on, Gunner. Let's lift it. Oh, Dan, stop it. Come on, Dan. Liz is right. Walk back to the bar, Charlie. Can't you see we got private business? Listen, Dad. I don't want any trouble. Mr. Hodling. Boy, my shooter, yeah. Mr. Hodling, listen. I'm going to get a drink. It's on the house. You get your eye back now? You must crack open or something? I ain't seen shooting like that since I got a win. It's against Hodling, too. Accident, Mr. Hodling. I'm gonna get this right in your stomach. Dad, give him a break. I didn't mean to. I didn't even mean to. I didn't even mean to. get a shave. <laughs> and 
Don't call me Rummy anymore. Everything's going to be all right now. Understand? But Charlie says you're as good with a gun now as you ever were. That's what Charlie says, son. I was good. I was real good. I was so good that once a day, someone would ride into town to make me prove it. And every morning, I'd start my drinking a few minutes earlier. Until one morning, the guy who asked me to prove it turned out to be 16 years old. I left him there on his face, right there in front of the saloon. I left him there bleeding to death with my bullet in him. I guess it'll start all over again now. Every fast and fancy man who owns a gun will come riding in down that street. Only this time it'll be me face down to death. I think I'll go in and get a shave. I want to look proper on the day I die. chance to find out? I aim to. Step away from the bar, please, Mr. Denton. And draw. stiff too but that don't make any difference the way you stood up there it'll be something to tell your grandchildren about and the way it looks now you'll live to have some just like me you'll never be able to fire a gun again in anger you're blessed son We've both been blessed. 
He's lucky. He learned it early. Did you get him, Pete? No more than he got me. for a little man in a black frock coat who can help a man climbing out of a pit or another man from falling into one because you see fate can work that way in the twilight zone Mr. Ditton on Doomsday was one of the episodes that um, it drew my attention, but I didn't quite know exactly why it did so. And as I sat and I watched this particular uh, episode of The Twilight Zone and tried to figure out exactly what it was trying to say, and, and of course, you know, when I was watching a lot of these episodes, it was in the, uh, in the early 80s, um, and I was actually watching these episodes right alongside the uh, the new uh, iteration of the Twilight Zone, which came out in the 80s. And, you know, it was kind of like hard for me to figure out exactly what it was trying trying to say. And with this particular episode, it was very, very... Distinct in some of the things it was trying to say. Now, I didn't figure this out until years later um, because of being a child during the time that I first watched a lot of these episodes. And now seeing them all um, again as an adult, they, they really, really bring out uh, something uh, within myself and and I'm really starting to uh, feel a closeness with a lot of these episodes. And you can see where Serling was writing uh, some things, not, nece- not necessarily for the audience itself, but for himself as well. Um, one of those instances is uh, the episode uh, The Walking Distance. And this is one of those episodes... Uh, um, as well, maybe on a lesser extent, but it, it has to do with an old uh, gunslinger, and he's now a town drunk, and he he kept having these challenges over and over again with people coming into town, challenging if he was 
the best around. And eventually one day, as, as is brought out in this episode, he, he accidentally kills whom he finds out to be a 16-year-old child. And this, of course, drives him into drinking. And as he said in the episode, um, he starts to drink earlier and earlier every day until he descends into this uh, bottomless uh, bottle. And this is how he becomes the town drunk. And then on this same day where the, the town bully, who's a little bit uh, sadistic, if you would ask me, he, he, he tends to to try to to stay away from that and he has to do these uh, humiliating uh, uh, acts in order to get this uh, particular drink over and over again and on that same day fate comes into town and it's actually the name of a gentleman and um, I like the 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 emotion that is in this episode it's heavy you feel feel truly sorry for this character and he's likable uh in a sense not necessarily you feel um just sorry for him but you just like him as a person as well and in the twilight zone sometimes this was a little bit hard to do with some of the some of the characters not not a lot but some of the characters it was really hard to to like and you can tell that he you know the the twilight zone it really put out the the justice it really handed out the the justice in a way that was was really uh deserving of uh mr denton um the gunslinger and i really love this episode because it tied everything up in a nice bow and it was really encouraging to say the least Zone. Brought to you tonight by the coffee with the best of the coffee beans. Aroma, flavor, but not caffeine. New Aroma Roast Sanka Coffee. Rod Serling, the creator of Twilight Zone, will tell you about next week's story after this word from our alternate sponsor. And now, Mr. Serling. This motion picture projector in this film provide a background in next week's story when a most distinguished actress takes a journey into the twilight zone. Miss Ida Lupino stars in the 16mm Shrine, a haunting story of a haunted woman that I think you'll find interesting and perhaps shocking. We hope you'll join us then. Thank you and good night.
sure to see the fun-filled family life of one of America's greatest entertainers, The Danny Thomas Show, Monday nights over most of these stations. As usual, after every week's episode, we have an extra clip. This week it's from CBS, and it's called Then and Now. The Twilight Zone series throughout the decades. Listen up. This is New York City, and this is the eve of the end. Because even at midnight, it's high noon, the hottest day in history, and you're about to spend it in the Twilight Zone. It's Sunday morning on CBS, and here again is Jane Pauley. That's Rod Serling introducing an episode of the Twilight Zone more than half a century ago. Starting tomorrow, the show is back in an all-new series on CBS All Access. With David Pogue, we access the Twilight Zone, past and present. When you hear that unmistakable music, you can't help flashing back. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Which ran on CBS from 1959 to 1964. Submitted for your approval, one Max Phillips. Slightly the worse for wear. And you can't help picturing Rod Serling, the man who created and hosted it. And though it's very late in his day, he has an errant wish that the rest of his life might be sent out to a laundry to come back shining and clean. It was an anthology show. Respectfully submitted for your perusal, a can of it. Of science fiction? Please, Mr. Chambers, eat. We wouldn't want you to lose weight. Horror? Oh, Johnny. I don't care if you are a ghost. And fantasy, graced by such future stars as Robert Redford. It's time to rest. Robert Duvall. Carol Burnett. You're the new one? Y yes, sir, Mr. Stout. <laughs> And William Shatner. What you may not remember is that the Twilight Zone wasn't exactly a hit, as Serling was the first to admit in this 1970 interview. It is a mild success. It is not a runaway hit. It's not gun smoke. And it's a very questionable item as to whether or not we'll renew it. Rod Serling's whole career was a story of run-ins with sponsors and networks and corporate censors. James Poniewozik is the chief television critic for the New York Times. There was a concept in television of the old sort of three network age that was called the, the least objectionable program. The best kind of programming was something that was inoffensive that didn't make people want to turn the TV off. You keep thinking bad thoughts about me. Serling's screenplays wound up addressing controversial social issues by disguising them. He would use terror of aliens to stand in for, you know, McCarthyism, for uh, conformity in American society, for fear of the other. My name is Talkitina, and I think I could even hate you. 
talking Tina. Talking Tina. Jody Serling is Rod's daughter. We met in Binghamton, New York, where Rod Serling grew up. The Rod Serling that most people know is the man in the suit with the cigarette in black and white introducing each episode. But we know nothing about what he was like at home. My dad was the funniest person in the world. He would dress the animals up in, in human clothes and talk for the animals and put lamps on his head. By the end of the 50s, early 60s, he was sort of a superstar, wasn't he? I mean, he, he in was. the industry? He was. Did that reflect at all in his parenting? I mean, was he around? When he was in his study and the door was shut, we knew that it was off limits. But most of the time he was open to talk to us when we wanted to talk to him or play with him. I never felt he was ever absent in my life at all. Serling enlisted in the Army immediately after high school. World War II was in full swing. He was a paratrooper in the Pacific, a shattering experience that his family says haunted him for the rest of his life. My mom said that lots of times he'd wake up sweating, thinking he was back in the fields and everything. Is it too simple to say that some of the episodes that we know were your dad trying to work out? Oh, yeah, it was cathartic, definitely for him. I played baseball on that field over there, that merry-go-round. Oh, my goodness. I grew up with that merry-go-round. Walking Distance, starring Gig Young, is one of the most personal episodes Serling wrote. It's about a man who returns to the idyllic town of his boyhood and finds it frozen in time as it was back then. It features a look-alike of the Binghamton Carousel, which still runs today, now with commemorative portraits. He loved Binghamton. This is where his childhood was. And when he came back after the war, his dad had passed. He wished he could turn time back and see his dad again. And that's what prompted him to write Walking Distance. Goodbye, son. Goodbye, Pop. As a TV series, The Twilight Zone has been resurrected three times. Some people like Peter J. Novins just push. Once in the 80s, meet the Winslows, a family searching for a way to control their troubled teen. Once in the 2000s, you're traveling through another dimension. And once, starting tomorrow. It is the middle ground between light and shadow. We were tasked with this sort of near impossible feat of following in, in the footsteps of the greatest show of all time. Its executive producer is Jordan Peele. The chores have become my sanctuary. Who wrote and directed the Oscar-winning movie Get Out in 2017 and the new horror movie Us. Which is in theaters now. Natasha. People have said that you are uh, a natural choice for this project because Serling also served up helpings of social justice. Yeah, we we, we deal with um, issues like the the price of, of fame and racial violence. We deal with issues of profiling and guns in the country. What elements of the original do you keep? Well, Serling and, and, and the other writers, um, you know, they built in reveals and obviously they built in twists. What from the name of everything holy is going on?
there's always this, we call the surling wink, um, this sense that something sort of mischievous is at play. And then lastly, in the power of parable, this notion that when, when an audience is brought into an engaging story that sets their imagination going, that uh, they'll be left afterward to think about what it's about. But tonight, he felt the rush of the limelight for the first time. Peel introduces now, each episode of the new Twilight Zone on camera, just as Rod Serling always did. This to be Minus the cigarettes. Uh, I'm having a lot of trouble with that cigarette. <laughs> I, I think God is telling me don't smoke. I remember he came to visit me. His face was gray and ashen, and I knew something wasn't right. Rod Serling's four-pack-a-day habit, 14-hour workdays, and an inherited cardiac weakness eventually took their toll in the form of three successive heart attacks. He underwent open-heart surgery, but died in the hospital at age 50. He had a fear of his own mortality. He knew... I think he knew that he was going to not make it. The days of heavy network censorship are gone now. So is there any need today for Twilight Zone's trick of delivering social commentary through storytelling? TV critic James Panawazic. I think there's always a need for good allegorical storytelling that kind of gets at the demons that, you know, maybe you're allowed to talk about, but people don't necessarily like to talk about. What did you do to me? In the meantime, the Serling family is happy to hand over the reins to Jordan Peele. One of the things that I'm really happy about is that he has the same social conscious and feelings, and he's also got a lot of humor in him. So in a lot of ways, he's a lot like my dad, and we're honored to have him step in and continue the legacy. We really are. If people hate me, if I, if I fail, then at least I, I will know I did it with the right purpose, and that's um, trying to continue Serling's mission.